What's going on, FCS football fans? This is the FCS Opening Drive Podcast, presented by the Connecticut School of Broadcasting and Football Game Plan. I am David Hastigan. With me, as always, the exhausted and hungry czar of the playbook, Emery Hunt. Emery, good morning. Good morning, sir. How's everything going for you this wonderful Monday morning? It's a beautiful Monday morning up here in the northeast. A little bit cloudy. He's paying showers later on, but you know what? We're inside, so we don't really care. We're going to be busy talking about we're at the quarter pole already of the FCS football season, going into week four and we're going to talk about a chaotic week three where we had top 10 to 25 much matchups, upsets, another FBS program goes down that no one saw coming, although there were a couple of chances for one. Uh, we'll have our game bells. We'll talk about our forgotten programs across the FCS that are having really good starts to the season. And we're also going to mention our top 25s as the polls come out later on today while we're recording this. It's a little bit early, but... Uh, Within the next few hours of us recording this, the polls will be out and going. And, of course, we'll talk about our games of the week for week four. So, Emery, let's get started on this. And, we gotta, again, we got to mention some of these games before we get into it, into anything else. What defense? Did the defensive buses all break down on the way to the games? Uh, I, this was ridiculous. Some of the score lines that we're not going to get into, folks, but they're worth mentioning. Southern Utah, 45-38 over Stephen F. Austin in overtime. Monmouth, 38-35 in OT over Albany. A&M, uh, Alabama A&M, 31-24 over North Alabama. Sacred Heart, 56-40 over Lafayette. Jackson State, 49-44 over Tennessee State. Nichols, 42-35 over Prairie View. And VMI, 31-24 over East Tennessee State in overtime. No defense was played in FCS football. Defense usually is ahead of the offense, but I think now we're starting to see the offenses catch up to where defenses are. And the true offenses are starting to hit their stride and, and guys that may have been struggling are starting to find their footing. And we're starting to see the offenses and defenses get on the same level, which means we should have some great football moving forward. We should have some good move, football moving forward. Let's talk about some of the games that did happen this week, though. And we got to start with the FCS stats game of the week from this past week. Jacksonville State taking on Eastern Washington. We've talked about Jacksonville State a lot. You know, are they overrated? You know, why are they ranked so high every year? They lost a couple of, you know, didn't look great in week one, came back a little bit, but there's no way they're going to beat Eastern Washington. Well, they beat Eastern Washington 49-45 of just a ridiculous ball game. Uh, Eric Barrier went off for another great game for Eastern Washington, but not enough. He was just outdueled by Zara Cooper. Phenomenal game of football, but Jacksonville State making a big statement with this win. Well, shout out to that Jacksonville State Gamecock defense in the fourth quarter for showing up because they held... Eastern Washington scoreless after Eastern Washington was up 45-28 and everything's looked toward the the trend of okay this is about to be a, a blowout for Jacksonville State but their defense stepped up the offense continued to fight through it they they caught fire and we should have known the defense will, would play well I mean Bridges had a pick six earlier in the game so the defense was active even though they gave up so many yards passing shout out to Jacksonville State's defense for coming through in the clutch allowing their offense to have more opportunities with the ball and get the win Let's move on to the SoCon now, where there were a couple chances for upsets this week. We thought possibly Chattanooga against Tennessee, the way Tennessee has started, didn't really happen. Furman gave Virginia Tech all they can handle. The one we weren't counting on is the Citadel, and they knock off Georgia Tech 27-24 in overtime. The Citadel defense, and again, option ball is king in terms of controlling the clock. Citadel gets it done with a big win over an FBS program. Which is funny because last year it would have been two option teams 
in Georgia Tech. Yeah. Now with the new coach, Jeff Collins, who's going to do a great job with the Yellow Jackets program, they went ahead and transformed their offense to more of a modern pro-style type of attack. Problem is you don't have the playmakers yet to, to run that system. Yeah. So you, you have to really try to make do with what you have, especially along the line of scrimmage. That was tailor-made for the Citadel to have success. They dominated this game or controlled this game from start to finish. Shout out to the Bulldogs getting the FCS, the I'm sorry, the FBS Power Five victory. Something that they've done before, a few years ago when they beat South Carolina yep. in Columbia. So this is on par for what the Citadel can do now. Can they carry this momentum forward and, and help springboard them the rest of the way? Because they're one and two, and what a big win that was to get. Uh, against Georgia Tech. Huge win. Let's move on back to the Missouri Valley now. Uh, we don't talk about North Dakota State too much on the show. We don't, you know, gloss over the I don't know like why Craig else. Haley hates North Dakota State. Uh, I don't know why he does either, but uh, we had an interesting matchup with them this week, taking on number 18, Delaware. By the way, the first ever FCS matchup with two teams with 700 wins wow. in their uh, history of their programs. We thought this could be an interesting matchup, especially being at Delaware, you know, maybe a little bit more of a test. No test at all. North Dakota State rolls again, 47-22. to 22. Trey Lance, I mean, is just he, – he started off so well. And, and, again, the transition has just been flawless at North Dakota State, one to the other. There's not one team in college football, let's say regardless of division, I'll throw it out there, Ooh. that does a great job of taking a punch and then having multiple counter punches than North Dakota State yeah. because in the first quarter, you're going to get your best shot from teams because you have the target on your back and you're the big dogs on the block. Everybody wants to beat North Dakota State. They want to make their season by beating North Dakota State. Same with Alabama, same with Clemson, same with the New England Patriots. When yeah. you look at North Dakota State and how they are able to sustain a team's best shot and get back on track. We've seen yeah. this against Iowa. We've seen this against Iowa State. North Dakota State is just a tremendous program. These guys are battle-tested. So even in that first half where it was kind of touch and go early on in that first, let's say first quarter to midway through the second quarter, it was touch and go. Yeah. And all of a sudden you saw them take control and pull away. But the th- biggest thing with them is you look at the stat line, they never blow you away with stats because they always have a short field. The defense for North Dakota State is king. I mean, when you have the leading receiver has 72 yards. <laughs> no receiver had more than three catches. It's, it's, they play great team ball on both sides of the ball, man. You're right. It's fantastic. Let's move on to another matchup. This was a top 10 matchup in the CAA. Towson going up to Orono to take on Maine. We knew Towson was special. We didn't know how much they were going to be special. 45-23 on the road in the wilds of Maine amongst the pine trees and the flies that could probably pick you up with two legs. Towson, though, Flacco? He's, I said he was for real at the beginning of the season. You agreed. He's a, probably a finalist candidate for the Walter Payton. He's showing it every week now. I was more surprised by their defense. And I said this in the FCS kickoff preview this past week that yeah. I was shocked at how well their defense has played considering they lost DeAndre Wallace at linebacker. They lose uh, tremendous talent across the board on that defense. Um, Monty Fenner was a safety last year that was a tremendous player. So those two guys have graduated it's like they maybe will take a step back defensively. Their defense has been the story this year. Yeah. They've done a great job on that side of the ball, and they did a great job in this ball game generating turnovers, which is huge. Definitely uh, got to give them credit for that, and I think Towson might be the one team that can consistently challenge JMU. That's going to be an interesting matchup. 
uh, as we go through this year. Another upset in the top 25, Sam Houston State came in at number 24, and they get rocked by the only independent team in FCS, North Dakota, who we said they, they were better last year. They had a decent season. We wondered how they were going to follow it up. Well, here's another win against a top 25 team for the North Dakota Fighting Hawks. And they do a great job on defense, man. Defensively, it's been impressive to see how consistent they've been. We know they can run the football as well. James Johannesson is one of the best backs in the FCS, and he's their second back because they do a great job of getting a lot of people involved. But he's the guy, the Fargo train, they call him. Um, he's the guy that that is outstanding. But defensively, to slow down this offense of Sam Houston State is impressive. Kudos to the defensive coordinator of North Dakota getting that, that victory. I, I would give that more to their defense and, and really stymieing what the Bearcats want to do. They turned the ball over twice, uh, forced two interceptions, and we know they are predicated on their passing game. Yep. If they can't throw, they can't win. And, and that's what happened in this ball game. I liked uh, what the Fighting Hawks were able to do on game day. By the way, shout-out to uh, North Dakota running back Brock Bolton. What a name, by the way. But he also had a 56-yard <laughs> touchdown return. This was a weird game, too, because North Dakota shut out Sam Houston in the first quarter. Sam Houston shut out North Dakota in the second. North Dakota shut him out in the third. Sam Houston in the fourth. It was the that that's the, one of the weirdest stat lines I think I've ever seen. Uh, let's move back to the SoCon now. What has happened to Wofford? Another loss for the Terriers. It's probably going to cost them a spot in the top twenty-five. They lose to Samford twenty-one fourteen. Chris Oldokan, he's stepping up in a big way for the for uh, for Samford. I just like the way this guy plays, man. It's it's funny to watch him just consistently go off week to week. And granted, he had two interceptions. Yes, he turned the ball over. That's something we hadn't seen from him uh, so far this season. Right. But he made the play at the end with his legs to put them ahead for the the winning points. Yeah. And Wofford just doesn't look that good this year. I was high on Wofford coming into the season. I'm surprised. I'm yeah, really especially surprised. Especially on defense. Their defense hasn't been what I thought it was. You thought offensively they'll they'll control the ball and their defense will make a lot of, a lot of plays like it did last year. But, man, they've struggled a lot. But kudos to Sanford, who has been in position to win a lot of these games. Um, granted, not the first one uh, where he got blown up, but we that's that was the, the coming out party for Chris Oladokun. So maybe this is something that, that they can build on moving forward because they had a key win yep. against Wofford. And we know Wofford will eventually win some games yes. and turn it around and be a thorn in the side of many people in this conference. But Sanford has played some good football the last couple of weeks. Chris Oladokun, you talk about finalists for the Walter Payton. He may be one of those guys as well. And coming in and replacing Devlin Hodges was never going to be an easy test for whoever took over, but just a tremendous uh, job there. By the way, Wofford, weird stat line again, top receiver had negative one yards receiving. Wow. That's um, that's not too good. Uh, let's move on to a matchup with two of our uh, favorite schools, kind of our, you know, you know the favorite child in a, in a way. Austin P taking on Mercer. Both teams have had a good start to the season. Mercer has looked much, much better uh, this year than last. Austin P looks to have recovered from kind of a disappointing year last year. It's hard to say that with knowing Austin P's history. But AP with a big win, 48-34 over Mercer. Both of these teams, might you might want to take a look at them for you know maybe at the bottom of a top 25. Well, Mercer started to – they were in this ball game, and then you got to give credit to Javon, uh, Javon Craig, the quarterback of Austin P, because what he can do on, on the ground also was a problem for that Bears defense. They were able to run their way to victory. They controlled the clock, and they made good plays on defense. I thought this was a complete team effort for Austin P, and they were off to a 2-1 start. Impressive under new head coach uh, uh, Huspit over there, Mark Huspit, 
Um, and they've done a great job. So I, I was impressed with the, the total team effort and the fact that Mercer fought their way in, in, into contention in this game. You know, they scored 34 points, albeit a lot of it was later. So I don't think this was as an indictment on either team. No, I thought it was just a good football game that Austin Peay just came out on top. Yeah, really good football game overall uh, in that one. One last game we'll talk about here before we get to our game balls. Well, this is going to be my first couple game balls because it's not often you see games in the 50s. But when both teams get in the 50s, this has been a crazy day. I, I, I feel for the scoreboard operator who probably has a sprained thumb or something <laughs> going on today. Houston Baptist knocks off South Dakota 53-52. Austin Simmons has to be the most unlucky man in the planet. He goes 48 for 65, 537, four touchdowns, and loses the game. Because the quarterback for Houston Baptist, Bailey Zapp, 41 of 53, 513, and five scores. This was a wild game. Absolutely wild game out in South Dakota. And a big win for their program. Huge win. Huge win for Houston Baptist. And you're right. We've seen this offense quietly have a lot of success in in subsequent weeks. And so maybe the tide is starting to turn for Houston Baptist. You talk about Austin Simmons, Bradley Zapp, five touchdowns. Simmons threw four touchdowns. And Zapp was able to overcome those three interceptions. Um, But I guess at the end of the day, when you look at why this game was the way it was, because both teams didn't decide to quit. And yeah. you like how both teams were able to fight through. But if you're South Dakota, I had a lot of hype on them coming into the season. Thought they could have been a you know, flying the ointment team, a under yeah. the radar squad. They were 0 and 2 in conference. They were 0 and 3 overall. Houston Baptist, 2 and 1, quietly. We'll talk about them and a couple other programs that have been uh, a bit surprising uh, that maybe people have forgotten about over the last couple of years. We'll talk about that later in the show. Let's get to our game balls, Emery. I started with my first two. Who do you have for your first game ball going to an offense? Well, to build on Austin Simmons, you know, 537 yards, four touchdowns, 73% completion percentage. So I agree with you there. I would also give it to the punt returner and receiver, Josh Tomas of Georgetown. Mm. Had five punt returns for 113 yards, brought back one for a touchdown, 66-yard return, and also had a 40-yard touchdown reception. So he found the end zone twice on offense and on special teams. I'm going to give my next one to uh, Jermaine Martin, the running back from North Carolina A&T. I mean, you know as a running back, you carry the ball 25 times. That's a good day. But when you can do it for 299 yards and two scores, that's an incredible day. I don't know what you know what he had as a pregame meal. Do that every game for A&T because <laughs> that was a huge, huge part of their win uh, this past week. A come-from-behind win as well uh, for the Aggies. Who's your next one going to? Staying in the HBCU ranks, Jordan Bentley, the running back for Alabama A&M, 26 carries, 124 yards on the ground, three total touchdowns, and a comeback win for the Bulldogs. They, this was another team that needed to con- find ways to win because North Alabama had control of that ball game, and Bentley just took over at the end and was able to you know, put his points on the board and, and became a, a reason why they won that game because it was in danger of going the other way. You talk about North Alabama had an 18 to nothing lead, in the second half, it was all, uh, I want to say Aggies, but it was all Bulldogs uh, led by Jordan Bentley and his ability to run the football and put the ball in the end zone. Let's go back to the Patriot League. Keegan Shoemaker, the quarterback for Lafayette, true freshman out of Prosper, Texas, took over after splitting the duties in week one. He's been phenomenal since, but what a day he had, even though it was a loss against uh, Sacred Heart. 
24 of 35, 411 yards and two touchdowns in the air, but also 23 carries for 134 and two scores on the ground. I saw that what he was able to do against Monmouth, the kid is mobile. And again, he's just a true freshman. Lafayette, I think, has finally found an answer uh, in terms of their offensive woes. Who do you have on defense? Defense, my and this is my last one, it's, you know, I always got to give, you know, shout outs to those that get shut outs. Yes. And that goes for Georgetown, the number one team in the country, Davidson, <laughs> Southern and Sacramento State. Davidson is 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 fun to watch. They've been that's a fun football team to follow, man. Uh, so everybody that got shoutouts last week, you get a shout out here on the show. Uh, that that they beat West Virginia West. It doesn't State. matter. It doesn't matter. It's Come a shutout. Because think about it, last year this game probably would have been 75-76, right? <laughs> and so the fact that they found defense this year has been the story. We know their offense can score yeah. quietly. The Wildcats have found defense. That's scary. They beat Georgetown early yeah, in the year. True. You know, so. True. I'll, I'll got two more to give away. One uh, on defense to the Towson defense. Four interceptions uh, in their game against Maine. Critical part uh, of them. When I'm going to go back to A&T and go to kicker Noel Ruiz. Four for four for, on field goals this week from 27-31, 43-46. and 46. A&T does not win that game, and again, we know how special teams can sometimes be a little bit weaker in certain conferences, certain schools. Noel Ruiz is a good one at A&T. He's consistent. He's had some big kicks last year as well. Big win for the Aggies. He was a big part of it, along with Jermaine Martin. Uh, so that's our game balls for the week. Again, folks, this is the FCS Opening Drive podcast. If you want to listen back on any of these podcasts, don't forget to search Football Game Plan in the podcast section on SoundCloud and iTunes, and while you're there, give us a five-star rating. Emory, let's talk about the FCS Top 25. Obviously, the stats poll will be coming out very shortly as we're recording this, but we can still go through ours and we can have our disagreements before Twitter has their say. Um, Let's start with yours. Who do you have as your Top 25? What do you have in terms of movement? Anybody dropping out, moving up? Who who did you have? Well, for me, uh, it was no change at the the top. I'll give you my Top 10 and let you, and we'll discuss if you agree or disagree. Top 10, North Dakota State, James Madison – Towson, UC Davis, Villanova, South Dakota State, Kennesaw State, Illinois State, Montana State, and at number 10, Central Arkansas. Interesting. The Purple Bears moving up and in. Well, I'm surprised you didn't say anything about number five because I think the entire FCS nation is sleeping on how good Villanova has been. Villanova has been very good. I do have them ranked. I have them at 21. I want to see them against uh, a couple of the better opponents. They've got a good game this week against Towson. Put a, I'm sorry, go ahead. They put up a good showing there. I'm, I'm moving Villanova. Well, that's the strength versus strength, strength test right there, Towson and Villanova. Exactly. I've got Villanova at 21 right now, but, again, that, that can easily be moved up if they put in a good performance. Who's your top 10? So I've got North Dakota State number one, JMU number two. I got still have South Dakota State at number three, just ahead of Eastern Washington, Towson at five. Um, I've got Weber at number six, Montana State at seven, Jacksonville State moving back in. I've got them at number eight, Kennesaw at nine, I still have UMaine in the top ten. I've got them at the number ten spot. So you still have Eastern Washington in the top five. I think I, I still do. I think you know, obviously it's a loss to it was a loss to a ranked opponent. Um, I had them at number two last week, so I dropped them down a couple spots. But again, Jacksonville State proving the last two weeks that they you know deserve to be where they were in the preseason poll. So again, Jacksonville State moving up a nice amount with a win over top five. Eastern Washington drops a little bit for me. I still think they're a top 10 team in, in the country right now. Eddie, or my 11 through 20, um, I have Weber State, Youngstown State, Jacksonville State, Eastern Washington, Nichols, 
Northern Iowa, Maine, Elon, A&T, and Delaware. Interesting. Okay, I've got Nichols at 11. I've got A&T at number 12. I think they're that good. Uh, Central Arkansas at 13, UC Davis at 14. I uh, still got Montana ranked in there at 15, Delaware 16, Northern Iowa at 17, SEMO at 18, Elon at the number 19 spot, and Youngstown State. I moved into the top 25 this week at number 20 because yeah. Youngstown has looked much, much better, much that, better from last and year. And that's why I moved them up into the top, uh, you know, 15 or what have you. So I have them 12 because I was I was impressed with Youngstown State as I am impressed with Villanova. I think yes. quietly Youngstown State has looked really good this year, more so than with you know the chaos we saw last week with Eastern Washington and yeah. Jacksonville State because we don't know week to week what we're going to get from Jacksonville State. Right. But you got to give them credit for beating the top five team. Exactly. Yeah. But Eastern Washington, it's like, man, you had this team beat and you let these guys come back. How good are you? Are you good defensively or are you just was playing teams oh, yeah. that you should have dominated? So with those questions – I, I thought it was prime opportunity for Youngstown State uh, to jump up in the winner in, in all this in my top 20 is Northern Iowa because they didn't play anybody. Yeah. And so they didn't have a chance to win or lose, but they, they maintained their ground as a top, uh, you know, 20 team. So the rounding out my top 25, uh, 21 through 25, Montana, Furman, Stony Brook, Monmouth, and at number 25, Dayton. The Dayton Flyers get you're all high on Davidson, yet you put Dayton in there. Dayton quietly is what? Two and one. And look at the impressive win they had against Indiana State. True. And they took care of business against Robert Morris, I believe. Or who they beat last week. I believe uh, yeah, I think it was let me let me let me make sure on that one. But I I'm still shocked by you. You're so high on Davidson. No, they they uh Dayton beat Robert um, Morris. Robert Morris, yeah. yeah. But still. And they got a big game this week, I believe. Against, yeah, they have Duquesne this week. That's going to be a good test for, for the Flyers. Mm-hmm. But you're so high on Davidson that you don't even rank them. Because anyway. Davidson beat, to your point, West Virginia A&I or whoever they West play West Virginia Wesleyan, yeah. West Virginia Wesleyan last week. Okay, all right, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I've got my, my last five here, and I'm also going to give you the next five that okay. I have outside of the poll here. Um, I've got Villanova, as I said, at 21. i got Monmouth at 22. I still have Dartmouth. At 23, Ivy League season kicks off this week, folks. So uh, obviously keep an eye out for that. A lot of out-of-conference games for them. But I think Dartmouth is the best team there. Um, Illinois State at 24. I think the Redbirds are much improved. And I've got Furman at 25. I moved them in despite the loss to Virginia Tech because they have proven a lot over the last couple weeks. I was a little skeptical. They've certainly proved me wrong in that regard. My next five down, Indiana State. I have them down at 26. Wofford out of the top 25 completely at 27. Colgate at 28 because I still think there's something in Colgate. I, I can't, you know, I can't really explain how they went from the defense of last year to the defense of this year. Um, Eastern Kentucky and I have Southeast Louisiana because again we haven't seen enough from them. They had that one postponed game to the hurricane, but they've looked good so far. Um, so that's my last five and last five, my first five to watch on the outside. And interesting, they they were in the midst of. An upset brewing down there in Oxford. They they had they gave yeah. Ole Miss a, oh, yeah. a problem in the first half. So I can understand that with, with Southeast Louisiana. Uh, outside looking in, obviously you have your teams like your uh, Duke Canes, your Colgates, um, you know, your Ivy League squads that have yet to play. Yep. Um, Southeast Louisiana is another one. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of teams that are that are outside looking in, but. I feel confident about my top 25. I know Dayton is going to raise some, some eyebrows, but yeah. 
got to give those guys credit for what they've been able to do out there this season. Well, Dayton's Dayton's on my watch list. I have them there. Um, I also have Princeton as there as well as the defending Ivy League champs. Uh, North Dakota, 2-1 and one, quietly. Again, independent, so you don't know, but it's another win against the top 25 team. So mm-hmm. I've got, I'm have got watching them. Uh, Citadel, I mean, you knocked off Georgia Tech. <laughs> you're going to get you're you going to be watched. To right. You're going to be watched for at least another week. San Diego, I'm waiting for them to get off the mat. I'm still watching for them. Uh, and Incarnate Word. You know, again, we'll see what they do this week uh, in their game, but we'll see what happens with the Stats FCS poll. Obviously, there are a lot of opinions and a lot of anger on Twitter as there is with most things around sports, uh, especially certain fantasy football rosters and teams. Uh, but, you know, we'll we'll get to that later. Sorry to all the Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Brees. Oh, yeah, you saw the breaking news. Like, Roethlisberger's out for the year. <sighs> Roethlisberger's out for the year, and Drew Brees is out for six weeks, it sounds like, folks. So if you're in a fantasy league and you have either one of those guys, or if you're like my buddy Mike Renga and have both of them, I would find someone else now <laughs> and, and very, very quickly. Um, let's get into a, our deep dive, Emery, here uh, on the podcast for week four. And let's talk about now we're at the quarter poll. So the, uh, the feeling out process is kind of done. You know, at this point of the year, you're kind of getting a sense of who's good, who's bad, who's, you know, working their way up. But there's always a couple of surprises that we don't expect. Last year, it was Lamar and Incarnate Word. We didn't expect them to do what they did. Um, there's always, and, and it usually comes from these, it's not from the bigger conferences, it's not from the CAA most of the time, it's not from the Missouri Valley, it's from a SOCON or a Southland Conference or, a, you know, a MEAC or a Big South. Let's start, though, with Houston Baptist, because we talked about them again before. We got that big win against South Dakota in the Dakota Dome, which was shocking to begin with, but Houston Baptist is 2-1, and one. They're tied for second behind Central Arkansas only because Central Arkansas has played a league game. They're right up there with McNeese and Lamar. They've had a great season putting up huge offensive numbers. Houston Baptist should not be a team you take lightly. And Houston Baptist should be undefeated. They should have beaten UTEP. Yeah. FBS UTEP in week one. Yeah. And they lost by two when they had a lead. They were in pretty much control of that game. If they win that game, they're probably either ranked or getting votes. Think about that. So – and it's great to see because they have we like you said we saw Lamar make the jump we saw Incarnate Word make yeah. the jump you know they overcame there were new pro, newish programs right and then they finally got together and they boom got into the playoffs and we're seeing now Houston Baptist they they're like man it's our turn you yeah. know they're tired of being the butt of the jokes and being at the bottom of the league in the Southland now they have an opportunity too to to generate a lot more. Buzz going into uh, conference play next week or this upcoming week when they play Northwestern State, who hasn't looked good. That was one of my sleeper teams yeah. preseason to make the playoffs. Yes, Northwestern State had uh, you know it was going back and forth to LSU for about a quarter, right? Um, but that's an an opportunity for them to win that game. They have Texas Southern too, so they could potentially be four and one before they go down to uh, or play host to Incarnate Word yeah. on October the 5th. And, man, what a game that's going to be. That could be huge. That could be huge. So I don't want to get too far ahead because they have to – The back half of their schedule is very tough. Yeah, so that's when they play all the all the, the beef in the conference. But they could build up a lot of goodwill. If they can get seven wins, or they're going to have to get eight wins because – Probably. One yeah. is, one is uh, Texas Wesleyan. Shout out to Coach Joe Prudhomme out there at Texas Wesleyan. Yeah. Uh, doing a great job with that upstart program, NAIA program. Uh, so they're going to have to get eight wins to get into the playoffs. But, yeah. man, impressive season so far. Even 
in three games. Yeah, I think this is all positive for Houston Baptist. Now they could finish two and nine, but I still think this was a positive season for Houston Baptist. Certainly stepping up. Another team that's really caught the eye is coming out of the SoCon. The SoCon in general has just been really strong in the early going of this season. We talked a lot about in the preseason how the Big Sky was that third conference, you know, behind the Missouri Valley and the CAA. You know, there's always that third conference. A lot of talk was about the Big Sky. The SOCON this year has been really, really strong, and it hasn't been Wofford. It's been Furman. It's been Samford. It's been Citadel. It's been Mercer. And all of it, And we're not even talking about Western Carolina and Chattanooga, who are normal powers in this conference and still might be. But the big question mark is, wait, who's that at the top? VMI. The Keydets have changed their offensive scheme. We talked about that in, uh, last year. They've gone to this air raid offense, and now they're winning games. They're 2-1. and one. They could have the best record in the SOCON through the first month. What has happened down in Lexington in Virginia? What has gone on at VMI? Offense. Offense all the offense. Has all the offense. They have done a great job offensively. Again, 2-1. and one. One of those victories was against Mars Hill, but they were dominant in that performance. 63-21. Right. So they had to be dominant in that game. That's a game that usually probably you know, would have been like, oh, back and forth, and the VMI ekes out a win. But they were dominant in a game they were yep. supposed to be dominant. They got the comeback win against East Tennessee State, which was a playoff team last year. Yep. Another new upstart team that found their way into the playoffs and in the Bucks. So great win. And if we're doing a projection game again – this week they got Robert Morris. Who has been better than the record shows. They've taken a couple teams to the break. That's true. And they got Wofford. Who have looked vulnerable. So that now looks like a winnable game. And then they play the Citadel. Which, so they could be, potentially be 4-1 and one going into that game against the Citadel. But again, like I said before, not to get ahead of ourselves. They have to take care of business in games that are winnable. And so the Robert Morris game is a game that's potentially winnable. And they should have success. But their offense has been phenomenal. Reese Udinsky has been exactly what they needed throwing the football yeah. for the key debts. And it's great to see VMI have success, a team that hasn't been as good for quite some time. Yeah. I thought maybe four years ago when they had they had a tremendous receiver, they had the quarterback, uh, Cobb, back there yeah. uh, throwing the football. They, but they were still an option team. No, they, the they were. Part. They were still. They were. They were starting to develop with that 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 high passing offense. And and I was like, this is a team because they were all seniors coming back. I was like, you know, this may be the year VMI breaks through. Yeah. Um. Because I thought the receiver was a pro prospect. Cobb then transferred out of the program, which set them back that following year. So yeah, they were on the brink, and I think now they're hitting their stride. They're breaking through, and it's great to see because right now, like you said, they're first in the SoCon. And, and here's the thing: you talk about military schools facing other military schools, you always that always seems to be the trap game. It's the one before. But they've got two military games this year. They've got Citadel, but the week before is Wofford. And then they've got Furman right before they play Army up at West Point. They're going to be looking forward to both of those games intensely. They do that, they're going to have two conference losses. So, But if there's anything military schools also have is discipline. Um, let's talk about some of the other schools. That, are there any other schools that have kind of been surprising for you, how good they've been in the early going? Well, I would probably lean toward Jackson State. Yeah. Jackson State had all the turmoil this offseason. And you could make a case that they probably they – were, they were in that ball game against Bethune-Cookman 
early on before it got out of the hand. Yep. They pulled off a great win last week against Tennessee State. But Jackson State quietly, I think, is turning the corner. And they were a big uh, FCS power for a long period of time, even to, you know, to the early parts of the 2000s. Then he fell on some hard times, but I think they're starting to turn the corner. That's one team that has quietly been on the upswing, in my opinion, despite them being one and two. See, mine is Sacramento State. Woo, like Sacramento State, like we thought last, you know, two years ago we thought they were a playoff snub. Last year they were had a really rough season. They played Arizona State to a 19-7 game. They just shut out Northern Colorado 50 to nothing. They're only allowing 19 points a game. That's 22nd in FCS. They've looked really, really good. They've got now they've got a real tough schedule the next three. They're at Fresno State, then they're home with Eastern Washington, then they're at Montana State, and then they get Montana, their next four. So that could come crashing down really quick around Sacramento State. But so far, they've looked really, really good. And Northern Arizona. Case Kukas, you know, if staying he, healthy. If he's healthy, we know what Northern Arizona is capable of. So far, he's been healthy. They've got Illinois State this week, by the way. That's an interesting ball game. And South Carolina State and uh, also Central Connecticut are are two teams that have been surprising this year. Considering Central Connecticut State lost an NFL quarterback in yep. Jake Dolagala, they're three and zero. And South Carolina State, you know, on this show we talked about how good they were going to be in the MEAC. Yep. I thought that they were going to be, you know, the the surprise team in the MEAC uh, for where I had them uh, predicted to finish. And now it, again, it can all still go south, but. Defensively and offensively, I thought they've been, you know, pretty solid so far this year. Pretty complete program so far, especially quietly. Yes, and they've got uh, Delaware State um, away this week, so that'll be an interesting. That's the first actually MEAC game of the season uh, between those two. Davidson, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I was waiting. One hundred and thirteen points they've scored this year, only given up twenty-seven. Again. <laughs> And that's the thing. The thing with Davidson, though, is that it's not Wesley Duggar doing the really having the majority of the damage on the running game. They've got a ton of guys. They doing have it. a stable man. Listen, even though I have Dayton in my top 25, 25 and a <laughs> half is going to be Davidson. Yeah, t- time to apologize. Time to apologize. Because <laughs> you, you have Jarrell's story. He's had 41 carries so far. Duggar's got 23. Eli Turner Jr. had a great game last week. And uh, Khalil Shaw is also carrying the load, along with William Wicks. They've just got, uh, got at least six or seven running backs that they can well, go to. Well, you know, they use a good combination. Their quarterbacks run and the running backs backfield. So, yeah, Davidson and Dayton. Shout out to the Pioneer League. Pioneer League, all of a sudden, they're getting some strength there. It's not a, uh, it's not a pushover anymore. And, South, and right now, San Diego, they better be ready to go when conference play starts because right now they haven't started well. Uh, let's get into our week four games that we're going to keep an eye on. A lot of, uh, let's start with my telling trap, unsung and best games of the week. A lot of telling games that I could have chosen from. Obviously, with the start of the Ivy League season, I've got one of those games in there. Yale hosting Holy Cross. Interesting ball game there. Mercer at Furman this week. Real interesting game for both programs. Uh, Prairie View A&M at Alcorn. Huge game in the SWAC. Austin P is at East Tennessee State. East Tennessee coming off that big loss. They dropped out of my top 25. Um, but the big one for me is Incarnate Word at Sam Houston State. Because, again, with Incarnate Word, they had, I think they had last week off, I believe. Um, Sam Houston State with a loss dropping out of the top 25. In terms of the Southland hierarchy, it was a dogfight last year. This is a critical game in that one. Yeah, it's a, it's a real critical game. And, you know, I just feel as though now I, I don't want to – 
be a prisoner of the moment. I don't want to be all Mike Greensburg and <laughs> you know from Greensburg. Uh, you mean Greenberg? Greenberg, him too. Um, <laughs> and be like, this is the most important week ever in the history of everything. Like, right? Exactly. <laughs> Brace yourself. <laughs> exactly. But this is a this is a telling week for this is must. This is going to be showdown uh, Saturday. Yeah, I believe step up Saturday. I would also keep an eye on that uh, Monmouth Montana game. That's an interesting ball game. I've got that as one of my unsung games of the week, uh, for sure. Uh, my trap games this week: Jacksonville State hosting North Alabama. Oh, we just—that's a this. trap game. We just—that's I forgot how far apart they are, but that's a close game in we, North Alabama. We got, but well, we got this nice win over a top ten team. We showed everybody that the week one wasn't a fluke. You know, it was a fluke game. We're we Jacksonville were, State, so we're primed to blow one like North Alabama. <laughs> um, I'm also keeping an eye on Northern Arizona at Illinois State. That's actually a really good matchup now, but Illinois State, of course, is a Missouri Valley team, so they have to be favored in all things at all times. Um, and how then, about, how about you see a trap game? Yeah. How about Norfolk State at Montana State? Wow, I wasn't yeah. even thinking that one. Norfolk, <laughs> Norfolk that State one. was in a, a dogfight last week, uh, early on with uh, Coastal Carolina. They should have beaten Old Dominion in Week One. They knock off Virginia State, obviously, in week two. Right. This one will be closer than the experts think. My other trap game, too, Northern Iowa hosting Idaho State. I still think the Bengals have a little bit more than just a really cool logo that they can fall back on. They were a team that I, I hadn't myself keep an eye on. You know who we hadn't talked about that was quietly have, have been on an upswing, even though they're 0-2? And I think they have a trap game this week. Mississippi Valley. Yes. They lost by yes. six to Tennessee State. They lost by three to Lamar, and they got they had the week off last week, and now they got Bethune Cookman coming in. That could be a real. If it's Bethune, a trap game. If Bethune Cookman loses that game, the MEAC just gets totally thrown up for grabs. My unsung games of the week. I told you about Monmouth Montana. I think that's going to be a real interesting game. And we uh, we talked to at Monmouth Media Day. We asked the players, you know, what game they were looking forward to. And they said Montana because they had never been up there. But then again, who has unless right. you're going up there to it's hike? It's a beautiful stadium, though. Like the uh, the way their stadium sits, Yeah, it kind of looks it, – it's perfect because you got the mountains around it. Exactly. It's, yeah, a, yeah. it's a perfect college football stadium. Scenic. Very scenic. Very scenic. Um, Duquesne at Dayton. That's a big game. That's an unsung game. That's a big one for both teams in both conferences. But my unsung game of the week is Nova at Towson. Massive massive game just like i mean this is a real murderer's row for towson and they've done incredibly well to start with uh beating maine away now they have to go home and play villanova they've got florida next week so the gators they've got chomp chomp coming in that, that they have to go to for the next game on the 28th who towson towson okay so they could be i i think they could be 4-0 but villanova now again a healthy season for villanova and they're right there with the powers that be in the CAA. So that's not going to be an easy game either. Um, obviously the best game of the week, though, and it is actually the stats game of the week, FCS game of the week uh, via Craig Haley. North Dakota State hosting UC Davis. This is, again, we want to know what the hell do you have to do? What system do you have to run to even have a chance to knock off the Bison? Because they've had some good opponents this year. It's not like they've been playing cupcakes this season. North Dakota, as we know, has been having a better year than most and had the rivalry game, although they, I think they were distracted by that moose too much and weren't practicing enough. Um, so you have to <laughs> include that in there, unfortunately. But they had the game against Delaware. Obviously, Butler's not having a great year. They lost it. 
uh, Taylor University of D3 last week. But this is a huge, huge game. You know what UC Davis likes to do. Can they adjust to the dome? And if North Dakota State is going to have any trouble with anybody left in the roster beside on the schedule besides South Dakota State, this might be the game. This is going to be an interesting one because we know what North Dakota State brings to the table, and we know UC Davis is, is a top-five team. And they've been consistent. They lose a Keelan Dawes. It doesn't matter. They're, yep. they're still rolling. They're still pretty good on both sides of the ball. Uh, nice challenge for both teams. Yeah. It's a barometer game, I like to call it. See where you are and see where you have to go. Uh, so we'll see. I, I, I'm surprised, but I'm not surprised because I know Craig Haley hates both Villanova and Towson. <laughs> so, but that's a that's a pretty good pick. All jokes aside, for Craig Haley and the stats crew uh, for the game of the week because that's going to be a, a really great matchup, top five matchup, yeah. quite honestly. He he just hates the CAA in general. So Craig, Craig hates all of your teams, by the way. Every single one of them. Every, even even every the teams last that he likes, one. he hates. Exactly. Uh, I want to say this with North Dakota State is the key to stopping them is stopping Trey Lance. But how can you? He's the leader in not just passing and rushing yards, but also passing and rushing TDs. Well, there you for the go. Bison. The top receiver for North Dakota State this year has 74 yards, and that's Sproles. That's it. Like, 74 is their leading receiver for the <laughs> season. So here's the thing. Oh, I, all I have to do is just tackle Lance. Well, as soon as you do, then you've already lost the game. It, 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 they're almost, it, North Dakota State is almost like playing a triple option team that doesn't run the triple option. It's almost like they got a great program. They might be decent. I, I don't know. They, they might be okay. They're, they're, they've got a whole bunch of random banners or something hanging from their roof. I, I'm not sure. But they play in a dome, so they don't matter. Uh, <laughs> let's get into some of the other games we're looking forward to this week. As we mentioned, the Ivy League season kicks off this week, and we're going to start with one of the favorites, Dartmouth. They start at Pioneer League side Jacksonville to start the season. What are we looking for for Dartmouth? Obviously, their defense was king last year. Yeah, Dartmouth, you want to see how much offensively they, they've added to the arsenal. They have a great foundation. Their point of attack play is, is strong. They add a, a little bit more of the element to the pass. We know they're going to be a dominant run team. Then this could be a, a special year for the Big Green. I think it's already going to be, but yeah. we'll see. I just want to see how much offense the offense has changed a little bit. And Jacksonville, an underrated team in the Pioneer. They're 1-1. One one. They got a nice win over Presbyterian. They had a pretty good showing against Richmond as well. Uh, so this will be a good telling game for them. Uh, South Dakota taking on Albany, both on the short end of high-scoring matchups. Albany looking much better this season than the last couple of years uh, in terms of their offensive production, which they have usually kind of struggled with. We know they have good defense. South Dakota, again, you put up 52 points and lose, that's going to get you in a bad way. So the question is, how, does they, how do both teams respond? Well, it's a must-win game, honestly, uh, this week. You said for... Uh, South Dakota and Albany. Yeah. They played – I thought Albany plays Lafayette this week. You, you said South Dakota State? Oh, yeah, that's right. Never mind. I, I, I had the matchup mixed up. But Albany against Lafayette. That's, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a, it's, that's it's a critical a, game. It's a must-win game for Lafayette um, because it's it's been a bad start for the Leopards. Yes. It, like you talked about last episode, they've been through a lot of different quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly. It, 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 but Lafayette, they've got they finally have a guy in uh, Keegan Shoemaker. Well, that's for this week. Been, well, well, no, he well he took over. In, remember, he was splitting right. time in week one. He started against Monmouth. He started this last game, and he's turning into a really good dual threat. He's six, by the way, he's six three already as a freshman, two hundred and twenty pounds. Like he's got. I, I hate to say it because we say size is not a skill, but he has NFL measurables. And if he's a dual threat quarterback, 
I'm taking that. But no, definitely going to be interesting to see how Albany responds, though, because they again they've had always had good defense. They're finally starting to put some offensive production on the table. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, let's get to another unsung game that I had on here. This is always a big rivalry game. Citadel taking on Charleston Southern. Huge, huge game for both teams down in South Carolina. Uh, Citadel, of course, they're riding high after that big win last week, taking on Charleston, you know, after being Georgia Tech, after losing the first two games very close to Towson and Elon. But Charleston Southern's always a game that they have circled on their schedule. Big game in South Carolina. And it could be what, can, what you could consider a trap game coming off that big win. True. Charleston Southern's coming off an a unimpressive loss to A&T. Yep. We'll see how, how much they get up for this game in Johnson Haygood Stadium. I got to get my, myself down that way to uh, the Citadel and, and do one of my FBGPU segments because of how tradition-rich that program is and also mosey on over to Charleston Southern as well because, again, big ultra-density fan, Denson yeah. fan, uh, see how they do. But this is a this is going to be an, a trap game, I believe, for the Citadel. It's going to be interesting because they do have Samford the week after that, and then again, VMI comes up after that on the schedule. Uh, interesting game coming up. One of the teams that I w- had on my watch list uh, the last couple of weeks, Eastern Kentucky. Uh, the Colonels 1-2 and two to start the year. Haven't been great. Lost a tight game to Indiana State. They now go to Presbyterian uh, to take on the Blue Hose. Critical game, though, for Eastern Kentucky if they want to compete here. Yeah, you have to come out and impose your will against a team in Presbyterian that, you know, we, we've talked about this for years. You don't blow out the Blue Hose. No. Uh, but you have to come in and, and dominate on all three – in all three facets of the game, we'll see if Eastern Kentucky can don't can can avoid letting one loss become two. I mean, I will say this: as even though they lost last week to Indiana State, I was impressed with their defense on, for Eastern Kentucky. Both defenses in that game were looked very very good. Uh, so hopefully that will help them out before they get into the bulk of their schedule and their conference play in the OVC. Let's move on now to some HBCU football. Delaware State is the host as they take on Howard. Delaware State, 1-1. One one. Howard, not off to a good start. 0-3. They lost to Hampton in the Battle of the Real HU last week. What are we looking for in this ballgame? Hopefully some some consistent offense uh, because <laughs> yeah. Howard, again, you don't want to attribute everything that they lost offensively to the go-go offense, but it, it would seem that way because of how ineffective they've been on that side of the ball. Now, granted, they're playing without Jaquez Ezzard, who's their pro prospect, their legitimate pro prospect. They still have Troy Ant- uh, Troy Anthony, our co-host. They have <laughs> Kyle Anthony, the other receiver who was there before Ezard, another pro player. They have Deidrin, uh Diedrich Parson, who's a tremendous tailback, So they, and Kalen Newton. So they got talent. Uh, they just got to figure it out. And if you're Delaware State, you're just trying to find a way to be consistent um, and find that stable ground on offense. So hopefully – Offensively speaking, Delaware State can can build on what they did last week against Lincoln, mm-hmm. um, where we saw you know the quarterback play stabilize. We saw them get off to a great start um, and, and have success. So we'll see which offense decides to take a step forward in this game. When we ser- we did our preseason special, we circled some games on the calendar, and this one was one of them. Although I didn't expect the combined records to be one and six going into this game, as Maine travels to Colgate. I don't know what happened to Colgate from one year to the next, but they have just been really, really bad this year so far. Uh, you know, a defense that we raved about last year averaged, you know, 4.5 points a game going into the last week. They've allowed 41 points a game through three weeks. Now, granted, one of those games is against Air Force, but they looked really bad against Villanova. They looked worse against William & Mary. UMaine is 1-2. and two. 
Granted, they were, you know, they had a Towson game in there. They had an FBS opponent who they almost beat and probably should have beaten in Georgia Southern. But this is a huge game for both programs if they're going to get off the mat and be somewhere in the playoff conversation. Must-win game. Huge. You know, a huge must-win game for both. Uh, Colgate in particular because they're trying to get that win. And, you know, this is a noon kickoff. So if you're main, you, you, you have to be ready to play because Colgate does a good job in, in getting off the bus ready to go. Um, and if you're main, you're traveling to Hamilton, New York. And so you, you really got to be ready to, to hit the ground running, literally, uh, in this in this game. And, you know, we saw a new quarterback last week for Colgate, so we'll see what happens moving forward. But should be a great game. Let's move on to another one here. Tennessee Tech at Western Illinois. The Leathernecks off to kind of a rough start, although they've been competitive in all three games. Uh, 0-3 to start the season. They take on a Tennessee Tech team who, quite frankly, another team that we could have listed in our surprise teams to start the year, 2-1. and one. Got a big win over Samford in week one in a wild game, 59-58 there. Um, but Leathernecks going through some some growing pains. We, we expected that. They graduated uh, a great quarterback in McGuire last year. Hasn't quite been there for the Leathernecks, but again, only lost by nine points to North Alabama, only lost by nine to Montana State. They still have a lot of talent, and hopefully this will be the game that it comes through. I think this is one of the unsung games of the weekend, yeah. too. Uh, yeah. Big matchup here, a lot of purple and, and yellow in this game, too. Uh, but we'll see which team reveals itself to be true. Because like you said, Tennessee Tech quietly has been, you know, surprising. They, they knocked off Sanford. They knocked off uh, Virginia Wesling, you know, um, I'm sorry, uh, UVA-wise. Uh, and and so they've scored points. Remember, they were scored, uh, you know, uh, deficient last year. Yeah. Their offense wasn't as good. So yep. we'll see which team shows up this week. And we'll definitely keep an eye on that. By the way, I will be out at Western Illinois again this year on the 19th of October against Illinois State. That'll be an go. interesting ball game as well. Illinois State with a lot of pro prospects. A um, couple more games to talk about here. Alabama A&M at Samford. Talk about another potential trap game. This is one for the Bulldogs because Alabama A&M, not to be slept on out of the swag. I'm about to say which Bulldogs team because they're Too both many Bulldogs. Bulldogs. But I think you're going to get treated to a great quarterback play here. Uh, I'm a big fan of Akil Glass as well as Chris Oladokun. Should be an arms match in this in this ball game. I'm excited to see how it plays out. Should be a back and forth affair. And, and Alabama A and M with a win over North Alabama uh, last week, so that's obviously a critical win. Uh, this is back to back road games, though. Very very tough. But like I said, too many bulldogs. A lot of lots way of, too many bulldogs. Lots lots of slobber on the sideline <laughs> on this one. Please have the the people ready to hose that down. Last game we're going to talk about here, though. We talked about it a little bit before. Houston Baptist, how incredible they've been. The offensive numbers have been there. Northwestern State comes to town this week. On paper, this shouldn't be a problem. As we've seen this year already, the games are are played on paper. Houston Baptist has to be aware. We'll find out if the Huskies are reading their press clippings, you know, <laughs> by how they come out in this ball game. Because at the end of the day, you have to look at how can you handle success. We're and that's, so amazing, right? And so, can you handle success? And I think that's the biggest key for. Uh, you know, these this team. And if you're Northwestern State, you don't want to be the team that loses to Houston Baptist because you put a lot of work and effort into that LSU game. And again, like I've always said, you don't want to let one loss become two. So a telling game for both teams in this matchup. And again, Houston Baptist only beat North South Dakota on a two-point conversion with 114 left. They went for it. They could have gone to overtime. They didn't want to do that, but a huge game certainly. 
uh, for Houston Baptist. Emery, you were all over the place last week. You were up at Boston College on Friday to watch the game against Kansas. Then you were down in the nation's capital for Georgetown taking on Catholic. Where are you going to be this week? This week I have the broadcast for the Westchester Rams in Seton Hill. Uh, I don't know what their mascot is, but <laughs> PSAC well, matchup <laughs> between Westchester and Seton Hill. Hopefully it's not burning up on the field because that press box can get a little steamy uh, in there <laughs> doing the game. But it should be a great matchup. Going to Westchester is always a great time. Uh, they're a great brand of football. Um, I want to say it's the Seton Hill something. You know, obviously something, but uh, I don't know what it is. But Seton Hill and Westchester. Go ahead. And I, I will actually be at a game this week as well. We've just uh, finalized things. Some schedule conflicts cleared up. So I will be at the Stony Brook Fordham game. Shout out to uh, Brian Miller, who is the SID, I believe, at uh, at Stony Brook. The Associate what? Athletic Director. Oh, Associate Athletic Director. Thank you. Uh, the Mr. Griffins of Seton Hill. The Griffins of Seton Hill. There we go. They're not Bulldogs. There we go. At least they're not Bulldogs. Uh, but thank you to Mr. Miller. So we'll, all you will be in the press box for that one. A big game in the New York metropolitan area. And that Westchester game, folks, is on ESPN3. And if you're in Pittsburgh, go to Channel 22, The Point. You can watch it there. And if you're in Eastern PA, head to CBS 21 and also uh, WJAC in Jonestown, or Johnstown as well. So we'll be broadcast across the state of Pennsylvania and also on ESPN3. So you get to see the czar of the playbook on your television screen as well as online. Well, aren't you special? I believe, Absolutely special. I believe the Stony Brook game as well. I think that is on Flow Football, I believe. Um, we'll have to confirm that with you. But again, this that is on, it's a, it's a, it is on Flow Football. It is on Flow Football. And also uh, SNY. And SNY, apparently. So a 6 p.m. kickoff on Saturday, a late one out on Long Island. So that'll be an interesting game. Fordham has looked much better uh, this season, 1-2 and two to start the year, but they've looked good coming off a win. Stony Brook replacing all of their touchdowns from last season, quite literally. So they've looked very strong. They're starting to move back up the poles a little bit. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on that. So I'll be out on Long Island. Again, folks, if you want to follow us on Twitter, follow us our our adventures. Uh, Emery is putting himself to way too much undue punishment. He was at the Giants game yesterday, and I think he's going back to the Meadowlands today for <laughs> we'll the Jets game. We'll be at the Jets-Browns game tonight. I have no NFL game this weekend. <laughs> so, and then that, and it, that's probably for his health, folks. He had a, del- a doctor's checkup, and he said, no more Giants games for you. <laughs> uh, so keep an eye on that. You can follow him at FBallGamePlan on Twitter. You can follow myself at David underscore Hassagan as well to follow us wherever we go and whatever hot takes we have uh and potentially some fantasy advice if you want to ask i know emory you're very uh responsive to fantasy inquiries i've seen that <laughs> on there at, unlike craig haley who will just say no go away get you off have my, your fantasy off my football lawn. questions just hit me up on twitter <laughs> at craig haley and you can watch our bets best bets segment as well uh th- that we have through football game plan don't forget to watch the fcs kickoff show as well where i will provide the four minute offense before emory does his thing and we have our nfl shows as well the nfl all 32 tv show which is on game plus network and the nfl all 32 podcast which you can listen to on soundcloud and itunes just search football game plan in the podcast section so you don't miss a thing emory thanks for coming in hopefully you can get some food now i know you're starving <laughs> for my for emory and myself thanks for listening folks we'll see you for week five